0: Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Tarek, before you call heads or tails today, I would like to remind you that last week, Joe Burrow called heads in overtime and the Bengals won the game. Heads or tails, Tarek?
1: You keep trying to convince me, but I- I'm sticking with it. Tails.
2: John has a coin today. What is it? Uh, for like the fifth time in a row, it's actually tails. I don't know what's oh, wrong with this
0: coin. T fun story though, uh, the the Bengals did lose the coin toss. They just won the game. But anyway, you getting the ball or are you going to defer it? No,
1: I'm taking the ball.
0: I'm greedy. All right. Which franchise do you feel worse for at this very moment? The Minnesota Vikings fumbling the bag trying to acquire Jim Harbaugh as he just let them know that he's going back to Michigan. Or do you have the Jacksonville Jaguars who screwed things up with Byron Leftwich uh, I guess they didn't want to fire the GM. I don't know, T. Who do you feel worse for? Which franchise?
1: I definitely feel worse for the Jacksonville Jaguar. At least their fans, because fumbling the bag, if that happens with Byron Leftwich, in favor of Trent Bulky at GM, would be an all-time fuck-up by Shad Khan in a series of consistent and persistent fuck-ups since the inception of that organization so if they don't end up with byron leftwich as their head coach i'm going to feel horrible for jaguars fans
0: i mean it was kind of a ballsy move trying to ask the gm to get fired for a job you're interviewing for it's basically saying hey man i'm i'd take the position if you quit
1: (laughs) i mean good for byron leftwich for taking that line you know
0: uh trey who do you feel bad for here do you feel bad for the vikings right now (laughs) <laughs> you know uh i'm not going to feel too bad for the vikings because i do think they uh
3: they avoided a trap here this is a, probably a blessing in disguise not getting harbaugh uh yet to be determined who is actually going to be their head coach i guess that's the same uh case for uh you know both these franchises but now nah, i agree with t here i uh i would definitely prefer byron Leftwich uh than harbaugh going into uh next season
2: no i think you're both wrong the the the, the uh <laughs> The Raiders are the ones who fucked this up. Josh McDaniel, give me a break. Loser's going to lose. Ooh.
1: Josh McDaniel's going back to the AFC West where he famously fucked up with the Broncos.
0: Well, you know, he could always pull a, pull an Urban Meyer and give Tebow a call and just start things over, you know. Or or he could just pull a Josh
3: McDaniels and just, you know, go back on the job offer now and just go back to New England before he even started. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say, Trey. <laughs> Like exactly what he did to the Colts, what, like five something years ago? Yeah. Ridiculous.
1: What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry-Teevinshwia. With me, as always, John Alexander, Trey Krein, and Mitch Yates. It's two weeks in a row that we got all four of us here, which is like the first time that's happened in, I don't know, forever. So... You know, always a celebration. John, what's going on, man?
2: Uh, about to get a nice little icing event here in Texas. Can't wait for the lights to go out. So if I'm not here next week, it's because I tried to murder the governor and I'm in jail forever.
0: <laughs> oh, saying that on, on the air. Nice one, John. <laughs> That's if. Hey, well, at least at
1: least we know, you know, there's not going to be any mystery to solve. There won't be any Netflix documentary about who murdered Greg Abbott. It'll <laughs> it'll just be John Alexander.
0: That's right. No true crime story coming here. Hey, we could start a true crime podcast though; it'd be a pretty easy transition. No, we can't because <laughs> it won't be a mystery. <laughs> it won't be a mystery,
1: <laughs> Mitch. I've been going to you uh, the last couple of weeks to kind of give give us a digest of how you felt about the football the previous weekend. So, tell me how a uh, conference championship weekend went for you.
0: Oh my god, another great set of games, man! And I, I think. I speak for probably all four of us here. Uh, pretty surprised to see the Bengals in the Super Bowl, but except for
1: John, you don't speak for John. That was no. His pick. I think
0: deep down, deep down, he's a little surprised. I mean, the <laughs> fact that they pulled it off is pretty impressive. So, kudos to him, man. And then, I mean, yeah the the, the Rams Forty Nine ers lived up to some expectations. Uh, Jimmy G lived up to his expectations of shitting the bed in the in crunch time. It certainly so, was. Uh, yeah it was a it was a great weekend of football and I'm excited for the Super Bowl
3: yeah Mitch I'm excited too it's a it's a great matchup Uh, you know I I really think uh, the Rams are just the better team overall you know better on offense better on defense like more experience but it's gonna be hard to root against Joe Burrow at this point like what he's done in this playoff run is incredible so we've got a superstar in the making uh, going right now and uh, it's pretty cool to see
1: I am for sure rooting for Joe Cool. I mean the only rooting interest I have in the Rams is that I pick them to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the playoffs, but in my heart, I want it to be Joe Cool and Jamar Chase. Uh, and I was texting y'all uh, a little bit before we started recording about how the line for the Super Bowl opened up at um, the Rams minus three and a half and since then it's moved to Rams minus four and a half, which, if I'm a betting man at this point, I'm taking the Bengals and the points.
0: With you there, man. I you know, if I were a betting man in a betting state, I would probably put some money down on that.
2: Well, the Bengals are gonna win, so it's easy money.
0: Yeah, easy money, man. There you go. Easy money, yeah. Take
1: the money line, right? Yeah. All right. So just a quick note uh to start off the show, kind of before we get into our main content. Um, you know, big news right now is uh the lawsuit that Brian Flores is filing against the NFL, and we just want to, you know uh, put a message of support out to Brian Flores. He's putting his career at risk to sue the NFL for what should be common knowledge that their hiring practices are systemically racist. Um, so we've said before that the NFL doesn't deserve their fans, and they sure as hell don't deserve Brian Flores. So go get him, Coach Flo. You know we're we're rooting for him.
3: Yeah, Tarek, I love that you brought this up. Uh, I think it's really cool to see uh, you know some of the other coaches that are potentially going to sign on to this. I know Hugh Jackson uh, came out this afternoon saying that uh, a similar situation happened during his time in Cleveland. So um, you mentioned that he's putting his career at risk. I mean, what he's really doing is sacrificing his career, right? Because there's probably no coming back from this. And honestly, that's part of the problem. You know, there's just no accountability uh, for any of the owners or, you know, the, the shield in general. And speaking of no accountability, Uh, The Washington football team announced a new team name today. They're now the uh, Washington Commanders. Uh, So we'll we'll have some fun with uh, that nickname later. But I just want to point out that it's ridiculous that we're still waiting uh, to, you know, publicly hear about the results of this investigation into systemic issues of harassment within that organization. And that has never come to light. And they've been able to just brush all that to the side. I mean, this was the same investigation that got John Gruden fired earlier this year, rightfully so, but like no accountability out of like Dan Snyder and his organization. So, I mean, that's what the NFL is all about. It's not really yep. surprising at this point, but, uh, love seeing Flores, uh, take a stand and, uh, really interested to see how this is going to play out.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's what the NFL does. You know, they, they run into this shit, you know, a couple times a year and they find every way they can, to hide behind blanket statements about diversity and sweep things under the rugs. And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, with, uh, Brian Flores doing what he's doing, uh, it, it prohibits them from doing that, uh, that much more. So, um, we're also going to talk about a piece of news that we wanted to make sure we touched on for dynasty purposes. And that was Tom Brady officially announcing his retirement after, uh, I guess Adam Schefter, you know, shot his shot too early. Um, So Tom Brady, you know, he's the GOAT. We don't need to retrospect on his career. I'm sure he will do that for us all on his own. (laughs) But I I really wanted to talk about this from the perspective of Dynasty uh, and the Bucks weapons, because many of them might be moving on to his retirement. So we'll kind of touch on all of them. Trey, why don't you start us off by talking about uh, Chris Godwin?
3: Yeah, so real quick, uh, Chris Godwin is a free agent after this year uh last year he had to play on the franchise tag uh so i know he wasn't really too happy about that but at least he got paid well he was actually the wide receiver eight this year in points per game with 17.3 so that was better than i expected when i looked it up because it didn't really feel like it was that good of a year for him but that's three years in a row now that he's finished in the top 15 in his second year in his career he's finished in the top 10 so Pretty good resume for a guy who's going to be 26 soon with so plenty of time left in the NFL too. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is looking at the underlying stats for last year, they really weren't that great in 14 games. He had a 21% target share, uh, 2.07 yards per route run. Those really aren't that far off of his career best 2019 year when he had the 22% target share. So honestly, for me at wide receiver 13 on keep trade cut, he's a slight sell, I think there's a lot of situation mm-hmm. risk. You know, he's not going to be in an offense as prolific as the Bucks probably next season. So there's guys in that tier, guys like Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, Elijah Moore, who we're going to talk about later this episode, who I like a little bit better in that range.
1: Yeah. And the guy that's on the other side of him or has been on the other side of him for the last couple of years in that receiver room is Mike Evans. And I think there's two ways you can approach Mike Evans moving forward you can either kind of be concerned about his low target share about 18% last year being bailed out by Tom Brady and a highly efficient offense, or you could be excited about the fact that he might be the only guy left in town and the offense will run through him. Now, I think the latter is betting on a guy to take advantage of vacated targets and that's, you know, not something that we normally advocate for. So I'm a little bit more concerned than I am encouraged as far as Mike Evans continuing that highly productive career that he's had over the last 8, eight years. But Mike Evans, he's I've talked about this many times before. He's been undervalued for years in dynasty relative to his production, so I wouldn't be surprised if I continue to be in at his price, depending on how things kind of shake out, you know, if he settles into that wide receiver three range, which I think we're already starting to see. Um, OK, so that's kind of the receivers. Mitch, um, you've been kind of Gronk's biggest cheerleader all season Um, As early as or as late as last week, you were saying, you know, you'd pay up for Gronk. So how are you feeling in the wake of this news?
0: Feels bad, dude. Uh, One week (laughs) or (laughs) one week after I banged the table saying, go get him, Tom Brady goes and retires. So, you know, uh, I basically either need to eat my words or fully lean in. Right. And so let me tell you, the price is right. Like he couldn't be cheaper than right now, than this week, right? Like send that third round pick into the wind again. I'm still gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna triple down here because, like I said, the the price is cheap and a third round pick. Last week we talked about two thirds. Uh, This week I'm talking about one third, right? Yeah. So it's cheaper. So yeah, it doesn't seem like. A good bet for him to come back, but he hasn't outright said he's quit yet. So, I mean, perhaps he's having fun in Florida. He probably is. Maybe he wants to stick around for a year. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I saw. I think it was Justin Wright. Uh, I forgot his Twitter handle, but he quote tweeted something like, yeah, uh, Rob Gronkowski is just about to retweet. um Tom's Instagram story and just say, Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but John, um, what do you think about this backfield, the running backs in Tampa Bay?
2: What running backs? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones are both uh, free agents. So all that they're going to have under contract is Kenyon Barner and Keyshawn Vaughn. I think it's at least reasonably likely that the starting running back isn't currently on the team, so yeah. it's it's an open question, uh, and I, I, they could re-sign Ronald Jones, but I'm not sure how likely that is. So it's it's something to monitor in Dynasty for sure, because uh, they're probably going to bring a guy, bring in a guy, and uh, whoever that is is likely going to jump up the boards if it's uh, you know somebody's going to walk into a starting position.
3: Yeah. Yeah. John, I was thinking the same thing. Like there's probably going to be a lot of mock drafts, you know, mocking a rookie to the mm-hmm. the Bucks either at the end of the first or the end of the second.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Br- Brees Hall or Isaiah Spiller at the end of the <sighs> second or maybe a Kenneth Walker. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a popular landing spot for yeah, sure. It's too easy. Yeah. I agree, Mitch. Probably a wish casting a little bit. Although, you know, with Tom Brady retiring, it's obviously not as desirable of a landing spot as it once was. All right, so uh what are we talking about on today's episode? We are going to be beginning a four-part series in which we review the 2021 rookies season to answer essentially four primary questions. How did these rookies do relative to expectations? What do we expect moving forward? How are they valued in the larger community? You know, we like to use keep trade cut which can be reactive, but it's the best tool we have. And finally, what does that value signal for us in terms of buy, sell, hold, in dynasty? This week, we're starting with the best position, man, the receivers. Um, Next week, we'll finish up the receivers because we got a lot of receivers to talk about. We'll also talk about quarterbacks next week. And then we'll finish out with running backs and tight ends in subsequent weeks. So for all position groups, we're actually going to discuss them in order of draft capital. So without further ado, let's kick off this first half. And we all know the first guy that was drafted in 2021, and that was Jamar Chase, who went fifth overall to the Super Bowl-bound Bengals. And yes, I am among the people who thought they should draft Penny Sewell, and I am among the people who was wrong about that. So Jamar Chase finished the year with 81 receptions, 1,455 yards, and 13 touchdowns. That was good for wide receiver of five oh my God. in PPR points per game. I mean... What can we say, right? Trey, he did all this minus 26 yards in 16 games because he didn't really play in that last game. So even adjusting for the new 17 game season, he upped Justin Jefferson from a raw stats perspective. So, you know, there's not much that needs to be said because his play speaks for itself. But how are you valuing Chase as a dynasty asset?
3: Yeah, man, it's, it's real simple, uh, right there with Justin Jefferson, that's my wide receiver one, a, and my wide receiver one B for dynasty. And you could, you could flip a coin, honestly, like the, the margin is so razor thin. Justin Jefferson has essentially already proven it two years in a row. So there's a slightly like more bit of, you know, security and like assurance, uh, especially since he's commanded, uh, an elite target share of those first two seasons. Whereas Jamar Chase, we still believe that there's room for him to improve on a record-setting rookie year. So, I mean, already he's a superstar. He's only going to be 22 when the next season starts, which is incredible. So I'm looking at Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson as locks to finish as top five wide receivers year in, year out for the next seven years, right? And the only negative that I'll say about Jamar Chase is that He did get it done this year on 14 touchdowns on 124 targets, which is an 11.3% touchdown rate, which is going to regress, right? Yeah. But we would expect him to balance that out with improved volume going into year two. So I don't think that you should necessarily target Jamar Chase in a trade right now, but if you've got him on your roster, I absolutely would not trade him away for anything less than a King's ransom. And you know, a King's Ransom to me would be something like AJ Brown and like two first round picks.
1: Whoa. Like, I, I would do AJ Brown in a single first. I, I would be comfortable. I don't know, man. You would That's, trade
3: away chase for that comfortably. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, man. I don't yeah. know. Especially
1: a 23
3: first. It, if you could project high 2023 20, first, then maybe. But yeah. no, I,
0: I wouldn't do it.
1: I, res- I I respect wanting the King's Ransom.
0: Guys, I I think we should just take a minute and appreciate how good Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are. I mean, the top two wide receivers in Dynasty are also, like, the top receivers in redraft. Like, this is, like, what a time to be alive, right? So, Trey, I agree with you with the with the margins being thin as well. Chase is my wide receiver one, but, I mean, look, like— like you said, the coin flip. Yeah. If I'm doing two separate startup drafts, like I might take, I might dabble in both just if I have an opportunity just so I can have a share of each, you know, it's really that close. For sure.
1: I I was, I was recently talking to Frank Amaranti on Twitter and I said, essentially, if I had 10 shares of Justin Jefferson, I would try to trade five of them straight up for Jamar Chase, Mm -hmm. you know, because I, I want equal exposure to both of them if possible. John, what do you think?
2: Uh, I appreciate what Trey said there, giving us some perspective on like trade value. But from my perspective, he's in that territory of unattainable at this point. Like you're going to have to sell the farm. And at that point, it's just not worth it. But I I kind of take my perspective of Jamar Chase from uh, like the startup perspective. If you're in a 1QB startup, I think it's perfectly reasonable to take him at 1.01. And that's where I'm valuing him right now. Uh, I, if he's on your roster, great. If he's not, that's probably too bad because you probably shouldn't try to go get him. But if you're going right. to start up and you've got the first overall pick, then yeah, I'd say go ahead and take Jamar Chase.
3: Yeah. And just the only thing I want to point out is a point that uh, Mitch brought up earlier, which is, you know, they are in that top five of redraft, right? And like, there's only a handful of guys that I would maybe project to end above them, you know, Cooper cup, Devonte Adams potentially, but you know. Besides that, like, I think they're locks for the top five, you know, for the foreseeable future.
1: For sure. 2.73 yards per route run as a rookie for Jamar Chase. Incredible. Absurd. So uh, next guy drafted six overall to the Miami Dolphins, Jalen Waddle out of Alabama. He finished the year with 104 receptions on 142 targets. Just mad volume. Turned that into just over a thousand yards and six touchdowns, which is great for a rookie. John, being you were the high guy on Waddle throughout the offseason, I'm going to turn to you. Waddle broke the rookie receptions record, and it seems like we haven't even scratched the surface of what he could do. What do you think about Waddle?
2: Uh, I totally agree with that. And I, I did. I had him at the very beginning, I had him as my wide receiver, too, throughout the process. And I took a little bit of flack for that from y'all at the very beginning there. Uh, but after- except
1: for Mitch, M- Mitch was in Mitch, on him. Mitch too. was uh,
2: there with me. Noted
3: hater gave you a lot of flack here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: After the draft, uh, what I was really excited about was the fact that there was a clear path to him being the wide receiver one in 2022. That came a year early. Uh, Will Fuller didn't work out. Devontae Parker was injured, and he became the wide receiver one this year. And I think that continues uh, going into next year and beyond. So what you said there, we don't think he's been used, uh, fully utilized the way he could be. I totally agree with that, because what I saw in college was not what I saw this year. I saw a lot of dink and dunk stuff, so he was a PPR monster. He ended up at like wide receiver 13, depending on uh, overall and points per game, depending on how you define the people who qualify for points per game. Uh, he was right around that range. I think that there's a lot of potential to see him get a lot more uh, downfield work next year and going forward. So, yeah, I don't think we've seen the ceiling for Waddle yet. I think he's clearly the wide receiver, two of this past class and i'm very excited about him i moved him up uh mitch convinced me to move him up to wide receiver eight uh just today so uh i'm all aboard i think he's got a bright future and uh go ahead mitch
0: yeah it's funny i convinced him to switch him ahead of uh cd lamb so but i guys i don't think there's any mystery to waddle anymore like I think the the cat's out of the bag here and it's hard to say the situation was favorable at all like unless you like guys like Tua and uh Jacoby Brissett. Um yeah, the Dolphins couldn't run for shit either so I I I think that next year if they can establish a better team or a better offense like it should be able to help them out.
3: Yeah, and Mitch, I I disagree with that. I I don't have them in my top 10 right now. I've actually um I, I'm not really sure where he's going to land right now. He's at 19, which feels way too low based off his um, rookie season. And a lot of that is due to the, the poor uh, depth of target. Like John mentioned, like he was, he, he only had 6.3 uh, a dot uh, as a rookie, which was like uh number 93 in the league. So yeah, it's really bad, really yeah. bad. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of fading the production a little bit there. Um, I also think there is a lot of risk in the situation, right? Like there's uh, going to be a new coach. There's potentially a quarterback change and I just don't really project him to finish 10 spots higher than, you know, other rookies like Devonte Smith and Elijah Moore uh, next year. So uh, I, I just don't see a reason why he should be ranked significantly higher than those other rookies
0: at this point. You do think the offense is going to take a step back then? I, I, I think it's
3: possible. I mean, there's, there's a risk here with like a new coach coming in town with a, a potentially a quarterback change. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but, um, you know they they passed a lot last year, and you know maybe you do have somebody that comes in is like a little bit more run heavy and kind of changes up what they do there.
2: Yeah, Trey, I, I could definitely see that happening. I think that's reasonable.
1: Yeah, but wouldn't that be kind of focusing on the downside a little bit too much, which is something you usually don't like to do, Trey? Like because the upside is also there that they get, you know, uh, an offensive you know, progressive minded guy that wants to pass a bunch and maybe wants to use Jalen Waddle a little bit more down the field. I mean, that upside exists, right? Because we've also already seen an elite target share for a rookie.
3: We've seen an elite target share, but we've not seen an elite air yard share, right? So he got all of his work like underneath. He created a little bit after the catch, but not, you know, a lot. And so, you know, could he take that step forward? Absolutely. Uh, I think there's just other guys in that range that I'm more confident in, um, you know, with just as much, if not more upside.
1: Okay. Well, I, I mean, I, I think me, John and Mitch kind of all disagree with you there. I he's my wide receiver eight as well. And I think if you're in a rebuild or a productive struggle, I would honestly push come to shove. I'd try to get more, but I would trade away Adams or cup for him.
2: Uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would probably do that in a heartbeat as well. Yeah. Rebuilder, a okay. uh, productive struggle. Yeah. I think that's totally reasonable.
1: Okay, well, let's move on to our next guy that was drafted uh, 10th overall to the Philadelphia Eagles. That was, of course, Devontae Smith. He had 68 receptions for 976 yards and five touchdowns. As I'm looking at that, I think that includes the first playoff game. So it was a little bit less than 976 yards. But Mitch, there were moments this year when Smith really shined. And just as many when he kind of disappeared due to the run-focused offense, especially in the second half of the year. So despite that, his rookie production in the aggregate seems like enough to be excited about. But what do you think about Devontae Smith moving forward?
0: Well, Keep Trade Cut has him hanging around wide receiver 15. So that definitely sounds like some people are pretty excited. To add some context to that, uh, Diggs, Godwin, and Elijah Moore are the guys in front of him. And DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, and Michael Pittman are the guys right behind him. And, you know, I love that, actually. Um, I was pretty nervous about him entering the season this year. Um, Like, you know, the whole weighing 150 pounds soaking wet, that kind of thing. I wanted to see him, like, take that first NFL lap. I wanted to see how he responded to NFL corners and hits and all that stuff. And I think he passed with flying colors, right? Like, 976 yards and five touchdowns on a rookie year is really good you know, as, as long as you're not standing right next to Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. So the other concerns you briefly mentioned, like the run-focused offense, like kind of disappearing, that stuff doesn't really bother me. Like, he's a playmaker, yeah. and I'm confident that he's going to get game planned even more next year. And, you know, I know we already forgot, but the the Eagles actually made it to the playoffs this this year, you know, barely, but we'll count it, so... All signs point to Jalen Hurts being the quarterback next year, too. So more time, more chemistry. So, uh, yeah, fly, Eagles fly, I guess.
2: I've got him ranked as my wide receiver 20. I'm a little bit more apprehensive about uh, the situation. I think that Dallas Goddard kind of emerged as a primary receiving option to Jalen Hurts as the season went on. Uh, I kind of expected Smith to be that number one receiving option, and I do not necessarily see that at the end of the season. Uh I, I still, like I said, I have a wide receiver 20, so I still feel great about him. I think his trajectory is upwards, uh, but I'm not as confident as I am, like, say, Waddle. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it, you've got a point there, Mitch, that uh, another offseason with Jalen Hurts is going to help. But I think we saw the Eagles offense, and it's going to be very uh, Jalen Hurts-centric, and I think that might hurt Devontae Smith a little bit. In the long run,
1: Trey, I'm also a little bit below market on Devontae Smith because I think his ceiling is probably like a high end wide receiver too, unless he's Antonio Brown or something, you know, and maybe that's a little bit too BMI focused, but I think. Where he's rated on keep trade cut makes plenty of sense. I'm just a little bit below market with John. What do you think?
3: Guys, there's a reason that film and tape evaluators loved this dude coming into the rookie draft. And I think we saw all of that on tape uh, during his rookie season. So I'm with Mitch here. I actually like him uh, above where keep trade cut has him at 15. Like, wow, you compare him to Jalen Waddle straight up. Like he beat out Waddle in terms of air yard share. He beat out Waddle. His air yards were elite yeah they sure were and he beat him out in terms of yards per route run with similar target shares like not too different and there's a lot of things that could break in his direction that would allow him to take a big leap forward in year two philly could open up the playbook a little bit more for hertz hertz could develop a little bit more as a passer or you know they could potentially make a change at quarterback any of those scenarios could work out and boost Devonte smith's outlook so I think he's a great target for a rebuilder and he's a lot cheaper, significantly cheaper than Waddle is right now. If you just look at the market values.
1: True. True. Yeah. Let me just quantify uh, what Trey said there. 1,570 air yards was number 11 in the NFL and a 37.1% air yard share was number 10. So that's really encouraging numbers there all, all those numbers are per player profiler and, and
3: right and we're talking about like could waddle be like a downfield threat like Devonte smith already is mm. fair enough fair
1: yeah enough.
0: trey i was i was thinking about this earlier today i was trying to think of how much i would give up for Devonte smith here and honestly i would give up pretty much any of the uh, first round draft picks in this upcoming draft and uh, I, I guess outside of the top two or three but even mm-hmm. still, I'd think about it.
1: I'd probably give up. I'd probably give up one oh three. Yeah. Um, yeah. For I think That's Smith, where I'm but, at.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's tough for me because I'm thinking about guys like Brees Hall and I'm thinking about uh, trailing Burks here. Uh, so I think I'll end up with Burks right around this range. Uh, but I haven't quite got to that point in my ranks. But I'm, I'm with you on that. Mitch. Like, I, I, I love what he did as, as a rookie. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you. And, you know,
1: it, it bears mentioning that when you say, OK, I'll give up one o three is more than just the player that you're going to select there, right? It's leverage. It's leverage in the draft. It's leverage for other trades that you can make. So I, I want to warn against just thinking about one oh three as a singular player, mm-hmm. um, because when we're talking about dynasty strategy, having a high end first round pick in any year gives you leverage that you can't access uh, in other ways.
3: Yeah. And, and sorry, just to add on to that, I mean, it's a, um, there's a little bit of opportunity cost, right. And giving up the, the one Oh three, especially if you do it in February and not in May. Right. Um, but, and also I don't think Devonte Smith is necessarily somebody you should be targeting as a contender going into next year. Right. Because yeah, he's probably not going to be a wide receiver one next season. Right. Sure. Sure.
1: Okay. So let's move on to this final receiver we're going to talk about in the first half here and that is Kadarius Toney, who was picked 10 picks after Devontae Smith, 20th overall to the New York Giants. This was a pick that was universally clowned by all of us, but there was a fleeting moment in which he seemed to prove everyone wrong. I mean, he finished the year with only 39 receptions and 420 yards in 10 games played, no touchdowns to speak of, Trey, like I said, there were a few games that looked pretty encouraging for Tony against the Saints and the Cowboys. Not a lot of production, but there's some interesting peripheral numbers. What do you think about Kadarius, Tony?
3: Yeah, you mentioned the interesting peripheral numbers. The ones that really stick out to me uh, as the 28.9% target rate, Mm -hmm. uh, which was good for number eight in the league, and then the 2.13 yards per route run. So he cleared that two yard uh, mark, which is kind of a nice indicator. Unfortunately, he did it on really low volume, right? So we really don't have a big data set here to be confident in, uh, you know, what we know about Kadarius Tony at this point. He only had 57 targets total on the year. And by contrast, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith all had more than 100, right? So, so we really don't know who he is yet for sure. The other issue that he had is he also had a really poor average depth of target, uh, like Jalen Waddle did, right? Only 6.3 yards, uh, a dot. So you combine that with the poor usage and, you know, no surprise, I'm behind the market on Kadarius Tony. Um, There's guys in that range like Mike Williams, Hunter Renfro, you know, like Mitch's guy, Hunter Renfro. Uh, I, I think they're better bets than Tony at this point.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I've I've seen too many red flags. I think getting kicked out of the game, injuries, <laughs> shoes not fitting right, and now you've got a new coach too. I think I'm I'm probably the low man here. I've got him as wide receiver 41 in my ranks. I've got him as my seventh Ooh. ranked rookie wide receiver. Uh, I, I'm I'm not out, but I'm definitely not gonna overpay to try and get Kadarius Tony on my squad i think that i'd be happy to move him if i if i did have him on my squad at this point just because the red flags are there new situation there's it's just too much uncertainty i'm not really interested in making a move for him at this point
0: well my wide receiver 32 rank seems a little spicier than i thought it was going to then <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep trade cuts got him at wide receiver 35 so i guess i'm ahead of market here barely and yeah i like what i saw i was very encouraged by the those pop plays and games that he showed out like he showed me the potential that he is a complete badass if he takes over a game so a lot of players don't have that ability so yeah he didn't do much and he got hurt and like disappeared but I'm curious now like I want to dabble in these waters and get a few shares because I think that he could be incredible he could bust as well though he's definitely one of those boomer bust guys
1: yeah mitch i lean with you on this i think there's some upside at tony's price uh i'm one or two spots ahead of keep trade cut on tony because i do still prefer him slightly to guys in his range like gabe davis and hunter renfro i know mitch doesn't agree on the hunter renfro but oh no i i, I don't I, either you know we we mentioned this new situation and it's brian dayball And I think Dayball is a good coach, and I think he's going to scheme him in ways that Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens could not dream of, you know. So like Trey said, his target rate when he was on the field, let me just clarify, target share is counting any targets that happen in a game that he plays. Target rate only counts when he's on the field. His target rate was really good. It was number eight in the NFL. I wouldn't mind paying a second for him, which is about how he's valued, right? Um, so when when he went off earlier in the year, I told everybody to sell him for a first and I sold all my shares for a first. Now that he's kind of settled in, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pay a second for him. I, I don't I'm not sure you're going to be able to get that done, but it, it's worth asking.
3: Yeah, I, I, I hate to um, even bring this up, but like, you know, he didn't score any touchdowns, right? So there's positive yeah. touchdown regression there, right? So he's got that working for him but if it's still the Danny Dime show in New York do we real like this isn't going to turn into a wagon overnight right so he would like i wouldn't really project above like league average touchdown rates for canarius tony best case sure. scenario right sure sure all right mic
1: check four it is halftime.
2: halftime.
1: So there are no games this weekend to talk about for props or betting, which is kind of what we've been doing for halftime. So I just want to keep it with dynasty value guys, because, you know, you can always get some mileage out of talking about who is a good dynasty buy, sell or hold. So everyone give me a quick dynasty buy. Mitch, let's start with you.
0: All right, my guy is Leonard Fournette. Lenny is running back 30 on Keep Trade Cut right now, and that just seems absurd. Like, he just turned 27 a couple weeks ago. He finished the season at running back 6 overall, and three times in his career he's been a top 10 fantasy running back. And he's 30? Like, get the fuck out of here, guys. Uh, He's going for 2.02, pick 2.02 in this year's draft, He's going for guys like Tony Pollard or uh, Devin Singletary. Like, if that's really his price, I'm going to have 100% Lenny shares on all of my dynasty teams. Uh, Yeah, uh, that's way too low. Too damn low. Totally agree, Mitch.
1: Yeah, I also agree. And I am similarly outraged with mine. Okay. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers at quarterback 18 on Keep Trade Cut is ludicrous to me. I, th- I, I think Trey might disagree as I look at his ranking of Aaron Rodgers, but he's my quarterback nine. And I don't think he's retiring anytime soon. And until he does, I think you've got a locked in QB1. With top five upside every year, I would easily pay an early 2022 first for him, especially if QB was a need on my Superflex roster. And Keep Trade Cut has him rated about a late 2022 first in Superflex. Just just do it. That's the easiest buy I have personally located in a while.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good one, Tarek. Uh that's especially a low to first, man. That's yeah, go get him. Yeah,
1: I will happily trade away Jamison Williams for, for real. Aaron Rodgers. For real. Right. <laughs> John, what do you got? Well,
2: now, I think now is a great time to go make some offers for DJ Chark. I think he did himself a real big favor uh, getting, getting, uh, suffered an ankle injury in September, ended his season, and ended his time having to be quote unquote coached by old two hands Meyer. <laughs> And I think a lot of people just forgotten about him. Uh, he had, he's he's a good wide receiver. He's currently ranked wide receiver 50 by both DLF and Keep Trade Cut. Uh, that's basically the equivalent to a late second this year. Um, but I'm pretty comfortable giving away just about any second for him or a player plus a third. He's still only 25 and he's about to be an unrestricted free, free agent. Uh, I think now is a great time to do it because once he signs in free agency, I think his stock's going to rise. Um, so, yeah, DJ Chark's my buy.
3: I love this. I actually traded uh, Taylor Heineke for Chark back in November on a Rebuilder and oh, nice. super stoked about the value there. Yeah, nice.
1: Yeah, I think the early buzz on DJ Chark's free agency is the Philadelphia Eagles, which I would actually be excited about for both Chark and Devontae Smith. Absolutely. Because, you know, like it, it wouldn't be like the Eagles spending another first round pick on Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson or something where you start to be worried about Devontae Smith. But I think it'd be a great situation for both of them. But uh, Trey, close us out with your dynasty buy.
3: All right. Since you guys went quarterback, running back, receiver, then I got to go tight end here. Yep. So I'm going to go with the, <laughs> uh, the big chest dolphin, Mike Gusecki. Uh And this is, I love this because he only had two touchdowns on 111 targets in 2021, which is wow. insane. <laughs> <laughs> and he still finished with 9.7 uh, points per game, which was good for number 13 in the league. Uh, Now, in the last three years, he's finished tight end 13 or better, and he's currently ranked keep trade cut tight end 12. So he either re-signs with the Dolphins, and it's a system he knows, and he gets some positive touchdown regression, or he signs elsewhere and he gets positive touchdown regression there. So this is just free money to me. He would have been uh, tight end 10 with just a league average touchdown rate. Imagine if he ends up on a wagon somewhere, and he's only 26 years old. That is easily worth a mid-second rounder to me.
0: Come on over to Tennessee, Mike Jacecki. Oh, Ooh, that baby. would be
1: dope. That would be. I would love that. Yeah. Okay, I, I can buy in. He's <laughs> he's my tight end eleven, so um, he's not. I'm not. He's not a screaming buy to me, but I, I, I'm cool with it. I've warmed on Mike Gesicki. I used to be a patented hater.
0: Oh yes, I was there with you, and now look at us all bonding. Mike Gesicki's our guy now. Look at him go, Penn State. Yeah, beautiful. The, the,
3: the big, the big chested tight end. Hat, hat From, tip to uh, to Will on the uh, the big chest dolphin there.
1: <laughs> all right, let's kick off this second half. Uh, and the first player we're going to talk about here is Rashad Bateman. Shoddy B. Shout out Ray GQ. He went 27th overall to the Baltimore Ravens. He played in 12 games coming off that uh, groin injury early in the season that he sustained in training camp. Finished the season with 46 receptions on 67 targets for 515 yards and a lonesome singular touchdown. John, uh, an injury shortened season for Rashad Bateman. And when he did come back, the QB situation was touch and go with Lamar Jackson in and out, Tyler Huntley in and out. So, Bateman is kind of a hard evaluation moving forward for me, but what do you think?
2: I'm kind of taking the conservative route right now. I've got him as wide receiver 26 in my ranking, so kind of a high-end wide receiver 3, but I'm scrolling through his uh, game log here, and I'm seeing some pop games, 17 PPR points, 12 and 12 at the end of the season with Huntley. I think he showed enough to warrant uh, being one of these guys that we'd like to see, Uh, in the offseason after the rookie season, where maybe they didn't perform to expectation, where that makes them an offseason buy. And I I have a feeling some of you might disagree with me, uh, but I feel like Bateman is that kind of guy because we believed in the potential before this season, and I think he still has it. Uh, I, I, I guess the jury's still out for me. At wide receiver 26, I think he's got room to go up, but I think there's room to go down as well because we have to mention his quarterback Lamar Jackson and I just it it's it's it feels like it's going to be the Hollywood show. So I I guess the answer is I don't know what to do with Rashad Bateman. What do you guys think?
3: Yeah, John. So based off of that, I am definitely team Hollywood after uh, Bateman's rookie year. Um uh, I think, you know, this is a beautiful case study in value installation for rookie wide receivers because he basically came in and did nothing as a rookie and he's still wide receiver 28 right now. So you still got a, a lot of value there. You can go deploy it elsewhere and put it into you know other guys with equal or better upside at this point. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm out at wide receiver twenty eight on keep trade cut, um, and I'm buying up uh, Hollywood Brown where I can get him.
0: Mm. I'm actually pretty excited about Bateman moving forward. Um, I know we've had this debate a few times on this show, but he's a surefire starter next year, next to Hollywood Brown, and my expectations are for him to improve and for him to be in that wide receiver two or three territory. I think the Ravens are going to be explosive again next year. I I mentioned that I think that their running game is going to get back on track, and I know that it's been the Hollywood show. It was also the Mark Andrews show. And I just like what I've seen from the player himself. I, I like the yeah. talent that Rashad Bateman has shown me. And look, I know it looks murky. I, I really, I do. Um, I just, I'm excited about him moving forward because I think he's good. And I'm banking on that and I hope I'm right. But I agree with John. I don't, <laughs> I don't feel super comfortable yeah. about that.
3: My my disagreement with that, Mitch, is you said he's a surefire starter. And I just I don't know that that's true, because by the end of the season, you know, after he was presumably healthy and back from injury, he was yielding routes and targets to guys like Devin Duvernay and, you know, backup tight ends. Right. So like that, that talent and that surefire you know, usage just didn't pan out at the end of the year.
2: Yeah, I think I think you can make the argument that he wasn't fully recovered. At the, you know, it takes your time to get. Uh, back in the swing of things. I don't know. I think the jury is still out. I am not out like Trey, but I'm also not in. So my dynasty take is I don't have one.
3: Look, I reserve
0: the right to buy back in if he pops. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Hey, why not? Yeah, but
0: I'm out now. Okay, sure. My shares, I'm not getting rid of them. I I think I have two and I'm just hanging on to him because I don't like where his perceived value is right now. I'd rather just bank on uh, the, the upside.
1: I have been furiously trying to buy Hollywood Brown everywhere and I, I just can't get a share. Um, but for Bateman, I, I think there's plenty of ceiling there. Um, I'm not sure he's got the top 12 ceiling. I thought coming in, like, I think it's hasty either way to say, Oh, he's got that top 12 ceiling or he definitely doesn't have it, but you know, it's possible. He's a good player you know, elite college player. I think there's plenty of room to be excited, but I, I think, It kind of sounds like we're all hedging here on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's move on to our next player. That's Elijah Moore, who was the second pick of the second round by the New Jersey jets. He finished the year with 43 receptions for 538 yards and five touchdowns. Mitch, this is your guy. He's, he's been your guy between week eight, which is kind of the midway point of the season. And when he got hurt in week 13, he was the wide receiver of four in PPR points per game with 18.9 points per game. I mean, remember that was propped up by five touchdowns, but it feels like we were robbed of a truly special second half of the season. So how are you valuing Elijah Moore moving forward?
0: Well, I'm not going to hedge. I'll tell you that. I I love the the right more wrong more thing we've done. I love the tug of war we've done on the show. But right now, the right more is Elijah. He's he's the king and uh I love him, man. That wide receiver four over five game span is fucking excellent. It's a small sample size, of course, but God, watching those games on tape, man, just a glimpse into his potential. Like, he's got that weird reach, that speed, that swag. Like, I think he's a special player. And then, you know, of course, he's on the Jets, right? Like, uh, they're only 20th in passing yards, and the jury's definitely still out on the baby jet, Zach Wilson. So the Jets are going to jet, and it's really hard to ignore that when a good player goes to rot in New Jersey. So, and uh, perhaps it's easier for me because I do believe in Zach Wilson. You know, uh, if you don't believe in him, then it's easier to not believe in any pieces there in New Jersey. Uh, I just think you just got to shut out the noise and uh, up your Elijah Moore shares here. Keep trade cut has him a wide receiver 15 and that sounds steep, I guess, but I'm telling you it's not like I would give up any of the first round picks this year. Um, I would give up Elijah Mitchell since his name is also Elijah and people are big on him. uh, Pair him with a with a second rounder. Like I'm I'm all in. I'm pushing my chips in.
1: I like that yeah. Trey. What do you think? You've, you you are also very high in ranks on Elijah.
0: Moore. I I am very
3: high and uh, for good reason. I I just don't see why Jalen Waddle should be ten spots ahead of Elijah Moore right now. You know, like Elijah Moore got it done downfield. Similar like unclear quarterback situations like. Zach Wilson was a rookie last year. Like there's plenty of room for him to turn it around in year two, uh, or just be league average and like prop up the wide receiver one on his team, who is Elijah Moore. So yeah, I I'm I'm all in on on Moore as well. Uh unfortunately I don't have him anywhere, but uh yeah, I'm see what I can do in this offseason. But uh yeah, I love his upside.
2: I guess I'm the de facto low man here at wide receiver twenty one, which seems weird saying that about a rookie. Uh i I think he's great. I really I, He changed my mind during the season. Before the draft, I was kind of out, but as I watched him during the season, I, I got back in. I think he's got a bright future, but I don't necessarily see the same upside that y'all do. Uh, I think he's got wide receiver two written all over him, and I think that is his upside. So... I don't know. I just, I, Zach Wilson sucks. So I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm not as all in as you. I am in, but I'm not all in.
3: Man, I'm going to say the same thing we said during the draft process. He, his upside is Tyler Lockett, like low end quarterback one or like wide receiver one year in, year out. So yeah. he, I
0: don't know. He, looks he looks like, like a, he looks like a smaller Calvin Ridley to me. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's equally, equally good.
1: good. <laughs> I, I think his, his high projection is Tyler Lockett, Brandon Cooks, T.Y. Hilton. Right, he's kind of in that range where you know he's smaller, but he's fast. He can work downfield. So, I, you know, Separate. I'm I I am a little bit below market on Elijah Moore, which I hate saying because I love Elijah Moore. I I'm just not. You know, from a value perspective, I'm not sure he's a strong buy right now. I'm, I'm seeing so many buy Elijah Moore takes on Twitter, and it's kind of going to have to pay infuriating be- just because everyone loves him. So I think you're going to have to overpay to get the transaction yep. done. So how could he be a buy? So sell wise, look, there's another Moore in this range. His name is DJ Moore, who's ranked behind Elijah Moore, and I think that is insane. So if, if I have Elijah Moore, I am trading him straight up for DJ Moore. If I can
3: look, I agree. I do think DJ Moore, it should be valued higher, but that doesn't mean I should fade Elijah Moore at all. Like I think,
1: no, no. Hey, feel free to love Elijah Moore. I'm, I'm all about loving Elijah.
2: Moore. I, I like him. I don't love him.
3: I'll give you that, guys this. I think Elijah Moore outproduces, uh, Jalen Waddle next year for fantasy. And we're going to look Everybody, the market's going to look foolish for having a 10 spot difference right now in their keep trade I'll, cut.
0: Uh, value. Yeah, I'll,
1: t- I'll, I'll take that bet.
0: Guys, go watch some tape. Go watch some tape on Elijah. <laughs> watch the and, tape. And uh, try not to gush. Just, just go watch one video and try not to gush. Are
2: you, are you Donald Trumping me right now? Check the tape. Check the tape. Bitch, I
3: promise you I will
0: not do that. You, you will not go, go watch a video. I
3: refuse.
1: <laughs> he doesn't watch games. I, I just want to turn this into DJ Moore propaganda. 28.4% target share. Wide receiver 16 is fucking absurd. Stop it, okay? Let's <laughs> let's move on to a third Moore, uh, who is the next guy on our list, Rondale Moore, or as Mitch likes to call him, Wrongdale Moore. He was the 17th pick of the second round by the Arizona Cardinals. 59 receptions for 467 yards and a touchdown on 77 targets. Trey Rondale Moore played less than half the snaps on the season. He got a respectable target rate when on the field, but the peripheral numbers are a little scary. So we loved his profile coming in. That breakout age was elite. How are we feeling now about Rondale Moore?
3: Look, I am a hundred percent out on Rondale Moore, and and you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and start calling him Rondale now, (laughs) because I'm I'm with Mitch on this. Like. (laughs) And it sucks because I loved, I loved his rookie profile. Like you're right. The, the breakout age was elite. The athletic profile was just off the charts, but unfortunately, you know, he was really just a gadget player as a rookie and, you know, we all hoped he'd rise above that, but there was never any indication, uh, through his rookie year that, you know, they intended to use him in any more than a gadget capacity. So honestly, I He just looks like LaVisca Chenault to me. Like, I think he's going to go that direction next year. Uh, And he is ranked high enough right now that apparently you could trade him for Michael Thomas straight up. And and Michael Thomas isn't even a guy I'm high on, but yeah, you should go do that if you have him. And you could potentially swap Rondell Moore for somebody like Will Fuller in a second or like Will Fuller and Robert Woods. Like, these are actual receivers who are going to get downfield work and are going to be in the end zone. And like, getting more than 50% snaps in the game. So like at that value, I'm, I'm a hundred percent out, which sucks because I loved them coming into the NFL last year.
2: I didn't want to be out Trey, but I was thinking, you know, I'm trying to identify the rookies who didn't perform the way we wanted to. And these are the off season buys that I want to go get. And I was like, Rondale moore has got to be the guy. But the more I looked into it, the more I've come to the same realization as you, it's just, it's not there I think he's more likely to be Denzel Mims just to drop off the face of the planet. So I, I it's sad because I had him so high pre-draft. I thought he was the right more. I was the guy standing up saying he's the right more and I I uh, I just don't see it. I don't see it happening in Arizona at least as long as Kingsbury's there.
0: Do you guys think this is one of those situations that's too great to overcome as well just because of the way the Cardinals use their wide receivers? I mean, they've got a pretty talented wide receiver core and i feel like they just spread it they spread it out like you look at that dude wesley just catching touchdowns exactly for no reason. mitch
1: i was just about to say it just sucks that rondale moore could not beat out
0: antoine wesley christian you know, for Kirk, snaps
3: at 48 year old aj green Like, (laughs) that's who he was yielding targets to.
0: But I'm I'm asking you guys if you think that's just kind of a system thing or if you think he just straight up got beat by those guys, because I think it's a little bit of both. Like, even DeAndre Hopkins wasn't like I'm sure he was hurt at at points this year. But like he I, I feel like even when he wasn't, they were just like spreading it like crazy.
1: Yeah. Trey, let me actually ask you a question. What is the separation between Rondale Moore and a guy we talked about earlier in Kadarius Tony, who you have ranked, you know, a handful of spots above? I also have Tony ranked ahead of Rondale Moore, but they they have similarly troubling peripheral numbers. So why do you prefer Tony to Rondale?
3: I mean, so Rondale Moore is, is definitely in a better offense, right? So he presumably has like a better situation around him. But, you know, when Kadarius Toney was on the field and healthy, he was more productive with his opportunities. Like Ronda Moore really only had like one big play all season. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Like all season. That and, one play was like, like 20% of his production.
1: And I think
2: it was a broken coverage, right? It yeah. Broken yeah. coverage. Well,
3: I mean, but and then uh, like a circus catch down the sideline. But He's
0: had some great catches. I'll, I'll give him that. But it was just too few and far between.
3: Yeah. And so, I mean, Kadarius, Tony just did more in his, his rookie year. So yeah, I mean, if given the choice between the two, I, this is crazy, but yeah, give me Kadarius, Tony at this point,
2: I would take neither. <laughs>
1: I lean Tony because of target rate, you know what I saw in the field and, you know, they're upside with a day ball. Like I, you know, I'm, I've been out on the fake sharp cliff Kingsbury for a long time. So, um, Okay, so uh, let's close out the show with the final three guys drafted in the second round of the NFL draft. And I kind of want to loop them together because they all had similarly uninspiring and abysmal years. That was Dwayne Eskridge uh, to the Seahawks, Tutu Atwell to the Rams and Terrace Marshall to the Cardinals. Obviously, Terrace Marshall was the guy we were most excited about. He got so much hype in the preseason, just an absurd amount of hype. And the Atwell and Eskridge picks, those were confounding even at the time, right? So I'm just going to pose this as an open question. Is there anything here with these three later second round picks from 2021 that are all probably rostered in your leagues? Like, is there anything to talk about here?
2: No, drop them all. (laughs)
3: <laughs> well hang on so did tutu out? well did he get any playing time this year was he was he on hurt?
2: ir he was he went to. he got some playing time but got injured really quickly which was not a surprise because he weighs 120 right. pounds
3: right so right so it, he was essentially out all year with injury right so i mean it, in that case like i would say maybe because he's probably free but no i'm out on the other two guys for sure
0: okay i'm definitely out on the Dwayne one d eskridge um i am Definitely out on 2-2 Atwell, and I'm not quite there yet with Terrace Marshall. I, I, th- I think he got a, a good bit of game time, like play time, towards the end of the season. And they were starting to throw him back on the field a couple times. Um, and I'm not so sure that the, that the Panthers are going to be like under the same coaching staff uh, much, next, much into next year. So honestly, Terrace Marshall will be the only of the three that I would not drop. But I'm not actively searching to add him to my team either. Yeah, well, don't drop him.
3: I mean, you could you could trade him to somebody who still believes. I'm right?
0: not going to trade him away for like a like a third round pick or anything either, though. I, I'd probably still keep him here, just just to hang on just for a little bit longer.
1: Yeah, and Mitch, just to give some contour to what you said there, the last two games of the season, uh, he had a 61. 61- percent snap share and a 71 percent snap share,
0: which is certainly better than being a healthy scratch. Now, look, I don't remember what he did those games. I just remember seeing him on TV being like, OK, oh, he did
1: a whole lot of he did a whole lot of nothing. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I yeah. was like, OK, well, you know, they're giving him another shot, which is at least encouraging enough for me going into the offseason to hold to hold. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like to hold n- and not like <laughs> not drop hold, but like to hold not trade for nothing either kind of hold.
2: I have one last question that is a legitimate question. I don't know the answer to that. I think some of our listeners might be in this position because I am in this position in various leagues. I've got Tutu Atwell and D.S. Bridge in separate leagues on the taxi squad. Do I bring them up or do I drop them?
0: I keep Tutu on your taxi squad. He was hurt.
2: Well, what if uh, like what if it's well, like yeah, a one you might not situation? be able to do that
0: if it's only like
3: the rookie season? I mean,
1: obviously it depends on what's at the end of your bench, right? For Terrace Marshall and I, you know, I'm I, I'm delaying because I don't know what to answer your question, John. <laughs> but for Terrace Marshall, what I would say is I would trade him away for a third round pick if I felt confident that I could get a flyer handcuff running back and for that third round pick, right? I I would prefer that in the twenty twenty two class to Terrace Marshall. Yeah, agree. Well, maybe
0: even just wait till the draft, you know? Yeah. See if you got a guy that shows up late in the draft and you're like, bam, let's make a deal. Yeah, if somebody falls, yeah, for sure.
1: I want to close out by trying to answer John's question. So Trey or Mitch, what do you do if you've got D Eskridge and or Tutu Atwell on a taxi squad? And you have and to you elevate have them. to
3: bring him up. <sighs> well, look, I don't I don't care about D Eskridge at this point. So like he's droppable to me or he is a throw in uh, trade piece. Like if I can get somebody to take him. Yeah. Um, but two, two is potentially interesting just because he was an injury, uh, situation all year, last year. So he's somebody I might clear out, you know, one of my mini, uh, handcuff running backs for just to, you know, let him hang around a little bit longer and see what happens, you know, the first month of next season.
0: And yeah, I agree with that. D Eskridge is like, uh, what, what's that other dude, Swame like Freddie swame uh, dudes you'll never start. For for any any reason, you won't start him. So, like, I mean, just two two. We don't know enough about. We just haven't seen enough. So, I agree with you, Trey.
1: Yeah, David Moore, one of the many wide receiver fours from uh the Seattle Seahawks that Russell Wilson will make a star for a week. You know, once a yeah. Year. Put them
0: in your DraftKings every now and then when you're feeling lucky. Otherwise, get them the fuck off your team
1: all right well uh that is going to do it for today's episode of the long game dynasty podcast next week we're going to get into guys like josh palmer diami brown nico collins and obviously the headline of that group is amon ross st brown the sun god and we'll also talk about quarterbacks next week was a good show guys uh hope y'all enjoyed we will see y'all next week
0: goodbye goodbye adios